Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat number 203 for the 18th of June, 2015. I'm John Shire, hosting today's podcast. Along with me today is Paul Ducklin. Welcome, Paul. Hello, John. And uh, thanks for jumping into Chet's chair while he's uh, traveling long and far. Ironically, I think we're probably less than 100 miles away from each other. But yes, you're right. He's uh, otherwise occupied. So I'm uh, stepping in this week. You're in the giant metropolis of Los Angeles, aren't you? And he's somewhere in... I'm not a re- I shouldn't say the boonies, should I? But he's, uh, he's in the countryside, as far as I know. That's right. I think, uh, you know, it's, with LA, it's just a never-ending sea of concrete. So he's, he's somewhere far afield, but uh, still close enough for me to uh, potentially see him tomorrow. So that'll be, that'll be nice. So I think we should start this week with uh, the big story that has hit the media, which is the last pass breach. And uh, I think it's important to say that, you know, that while this is a a very serious event in any case, uh, I think there's some uh, decent light at the end of this tunnel. Um, As I said to one of my non-industry friends, I think, you know, they deserve a stern finger wag in terms of uh, the actual breach occurring. But I think they did enough right to make sure that it wasn't a complete disaster. I agree. Just to summarize, for those who don't know LastPass, it's a password manager. It has an online component where you can have the password vault that contains all your encrypted passwords stored online. So of all the organizations, of all the businesses that could have any kind of authentication database breach, a password manager company is kind of the worst one it could happen to. But as you say, I think they responded pretty quickly. It was a matter of a few days while they found out what was going on. It seems the crooks didn't steal any user data, encrypted or otherwise, but they did get the authentication database where password hashes are stored. LastPass, in their notification, explained how they'd been hashing, and it sounds to me as though unless you chose a really, really, really guessable password, like password, it's very, very unlikely that a crook will be able to work through every possible password and work yours out before you get online and change it. The usual advice still applies if you're going to choose a password. Uh, make sure that it's uh, at least long enough and complex enough to thwart the casual cracker out there. So in other news, let's uh, switch over to uh, to Facebook, which introduced something called Moments recently, um, which is uh, apparently a safer way to, to share your photos with uh, with other users. I guess it remains to be seen if this causes as much of a stir as the the change they made sort of in the middle of last year. But I think I do agree and like this this new way of sharing things because it does take away that all or nothing, uh, you know, you take a photo on your device and it goes up to Facebook's cloud and then it's sort of available for everyone to see. There's a little bit more of a sort of a gatekeeper effect here in which, uh, you know, you get to maybe share with a limited audience before the photos are available for wider distribution and, and they're only available on your device. Uh, so I think this is a step in the right direction, as as you uh, mentioned in, in the article on Naked Security, that uh, any time you start to sort of decouple things, it does make things safer, although there is a caveat there, if uh, if you may, right? What the Moments app does, it's a separate app from Facebook. So the photos still stay on your phone. They may get grouped by using facial recognition or by, you know, where and when you took them, but they're still on your phone. And then you can either sync them with other individual users who are on moments, say other people are at the same wedding as you. That's an example they give in their in their marketing material. Or you can share them with other apps like the Facebook app. 
So as you say, you're one step removed from those photos, from all your photos just automatically getting sucked up into Facebook's cloud. And don't forget photos on your mobile device. That includes screenshots as well. As you say, the caveat that Moments, the Moments app and the whole Facebook service are not completely decoupled because the ability for other people using Moments to do facial recognition to say that it's you in one of their photos is actually controlled by your setting in Facebook, not your setting in the Moments app. And you have to do it in Facebook settings. You go to settings, timeline and tagging, and there's an option that says who sees tag suggestions and you need to set that to no one. Another interesting story this uh, this week was the uh, the Windows 10 patching or, or updating as they prefer to uh, refer to it now. Oh boy, did that get a bucket load of comments on naked security. Yes. The idea that Windows 10 Home probably isn't going to let you defer updates or choose when you want to get them when they're ready they will arrive. Right. So yeah, there's quite a vigorous debate going on. And I think, you know, to take the pulse of it, it's it sounds like most of the people that are commenting are sort of are, are really not in favor of the rolling updates model. Uh, now, as as a Linux user, you know, this is and, and I, more specifically, I use the Arch Linux distribution. And, and, you know, I've gotten kind of used to that and find a little bit of comfort in the fact that it, when something like the, you know, the open SSL uh, vulnerabilities that we saw earlier this year came along, you know, I was able to get the code right away and, and sort of feel more comfortable that my system was properly patched. I agree. As Chester and I said last week in the podcast about this whole idea of rolling updates, why wait a month when you can wait 24 hours? It is reasonably infrequent with most operating systems these days that things go completely wrong when there's an update. But when a crook gets into your computer and puts malware on there that makes you part of a botnet, then you can be sure that things have gone wrong. It's just that you probably won't notice for a while. Yeah, and we we did see an example of where you know updates have sort of stomped on each other. I, I believe there was that update with the DLLs that were you know, bo- two updates were, were trying to work on the same DLL and. Um, so, you know, the, on the positive side, if you're having a rolling update model, something like that is, is again, less likely to happen because, uh, you know, you won't have two updates coming down in, in batches, as somebody I think referred to. In today's world, I don't see how anybody can really be against that. You know, we've got over it in antivirus, right? Years and years ago, people used to expect they get a new floppy disk once a month and they'd install it, and they'd do the update, and they could predict exactly when it happened. And the reason we no longer do that is that it's not fast enough, and nobody would accept it. They say, I don't mind getting a monthly update just to give me you know, some kind of feature improvements, but in terms of the fixes, dealing with new malware, dealing with new threats, I don't even want to wait a day. I, want, I don't even want to wait an hour. I want a cloud-based lookup that will do it in seconds. And there's no reason why we can't take more of that model with operating system and applications, given the zeal that the crooks have for making money by exploiting known vulnerabilities. I agree. And I think if we were to analyze the segment of the population that's going to be using the Windows 10 Home, uh, they're probably not going to be businesses. They're probably going to not going to be you know tech professionals. If we can just give them a lend, you know, lend them a little, little bit of a hand in making sure that their security is being, um, you know, quote unquote, managed uh, a little bit more uh, effectively, then I think it's it's a win for everybody. 
particularly everybody else, if you're one of those laggards who figures, oh, I'll get round to it tomorrow. Correct. Um, because we know from the continued prevalence of Windows XP that tomorrow never comes, not even after seven years of warnings that tomorrow is coming. You mean the Zero Day Forever platform? <laughs> I do indeed. Yeah, so I think, you know, th there's going to be definitely some options for those of us who are in, you know, managing businesses and, and our, our technology professionals to be able to get a different version with more control. Yes, I have heard some people say, oh, look, I'm going to be using Windows Home. I know it's a free upgrade. You're giving me this software for free. And then you're using me as a guinea pig to see whether the patches will break the guys who are paying extra money to be able to defer them. And, you know, there's some truth in that. But I guess the flip side is if you feel that strongly, you could pay the money yourself. I guess these are probably the same people that balk at ads in free social media services as well. <laughs> yes. How dare you write an article and then say that you think your own company's product is quite good. <laughs> so let's let's finish off with another story that's sort of heating up this week, which is that of the Samsung keyboard app that could uh, let somebody into your phone. Uh, this appears to be a third-party app that's being bundled with uh, Samsung devices. It's called the Swift Key app. Now, I think it's worth pointing out that Swift Key does make uh, different versions of this app, and they're available uh, depending, you know, the, the different versions are available depending on the platform. This seems to be a sort of Sam, bespoke Samsung version of that app. Uh, but unfortunately, it looks like this particular version allows you to do, uh, well, a lot if you uh, are quite keen and, and have the ability to maybe man in the middle of phone. Basically, it's like that Hospira drug pump problem that we wrote about on Naked Security a couple of weeks ago where a researcher found that he could update the firmware via the network on one of these drug infusion pumps without the firmware being verified or validated cryptographically at all. In other words, he could change the firmware and the device would blindly accept it. Same story with this, what well, it's called the Samsung IME. That's what their rebadged version of SwiftKey is called. It's a keyboard app that's built into the device, so you can't uninstall it, unfortunately. And it has this automatic update feature built in. It downloads over HTTP, which so it means it's not encrypted, which is not necessarily a problem. The updates aren't exactly a secret. But the thing that it misses is authentication and an integrity check. In other words, you can modify that zip file that it downloads and your device won't notice. Uh, ironically, there is some kind of verification check there's a SHA-1 hash, a checksum, <laughs> but the checksum is downloaded in a JSON file that's downloaded immediately before the zip file. So, Paul, is this particular vulnerability, does that affect users that have the, you know, do not allow apps to be installed from third-party app sources checked? Or, you know, how, how does that work? If, you've, if you're only getting your, your apps from the, the legitimate app stores, are you still vulnerable? My understanding is that you are because this isn't an app that comes from Google Play. It's part of the operating system. It's a pre-installed app. So unfortunately, that's why you can't remove it. The problem is that those updates, if you're a man in the middle, in other words, if you can actually interfere with the network traffic between the real server and the user's Android device, for example, because you're a crook who's in control of a hacked coffee shop Wi-Fi access point, you can actually inject an updated manifest, an updated zip file, 
and the update process that Samsung uses actually runs effectively at system level. Yeah, so as as you just mentioned, you know, this can happen in places where Wi-Fi might be a little bit suspect. And, uh, you know, th- this is just another one of those examples that if you're just going to blindly join any open access point or any open Wi-Fi network, you may get more than you bargained for. If you're doing something really critical, like it's a work phone, consider using a virtual private network where your network traffic is scrambled inside the device, all of it. It's then routed back to head office where it's decrypted and sent out onto the internet as if you were at home or as if you were inside head office. It's a little bit more cumbersome. Your traffic takes a longer route around the internet, so it can be slow. But it does mean that you've got this manageable level of risk that is essentially the same as if you were at work. I think the other moral of the story, John, is that, dear Google, please lean on your Android ecosystem a little bit harder to make sure that patches move through their ecosystem faster than they do at the moment. My understanding is that Samsung actually coded up a fix for this early in 2015, but it seems that for some devices on some mobile providers, because it depends on both factors, that patch just hasn't made its way to users yet. And because this is a system app, even a well-informed, well-intentioned user can't go out and update it on their own. Yeah, I completely agree. So, you know, Chester, I used to always say that you're anywhere from 30 days to never to getting a patch um, on (laughs) on the Android operating system. So we we know that Chester doesn't like to end on a negative note. (laughs) He does not. So uh, for some select portion of our listeners that may be in Chicago, uh, congratulations to the Chicago Blackhawks for winning this year's uh, Stanley Cup. That's not positive news for everybody, John. <laughs> well, it, it is for the, those people who are Chicago Blackhawks fans, so we'll, we'll we'll have to take it. Go Hawks! That concludes this week's Sophos Security Checklist Chat number two hundred three. For this and other security news, please head on over to nakedsecurity.sophos.com, or if you enjoyed this podcast and wish to subscribe, you can do so on iTunes or at soundcloud.com/sophosecurity. And until next time, stay secure. <laughs>